On today's Lockdown Royals podcast, we're going to dive into the Kansas City Royals and the week that was, as well as preview the weekend for Kansas City and so much more on today's Lockdown Royals podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. You are Locked On Royals, your daily Kansas City Royals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Royals Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Royals. Email the show, LockdownRoyals at gmail.com. On today's show, brought to you by Bet Online. You can look forward to this weekend and also review the week that was. Today's show is brought to you by our good friends over at Bet Online. Bet Online is where the game starts. It has you covered this year with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. I also want to thank you for making Lockdown Royals your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Royals baseball. That's right, we're talking Royals baseball for you today. And for your second listen, check out Locked On Chiefs. The preseason is over with, and so their full-fledged preview in week one and the rest of the season coming up on Locked On Chiefs. And on today's show, let's start by looking back. So this week for Kansas City, what you're looking at is a Royals team that is three and seven in the last ten games and ended their week with a win over Arizona. That, of course, being their lone win in that wacky two-game set in Kauffman Stadium. The week started with a makeup day against the White Sox, in which Kansas City won, thanks to Amir Garrett getting the win out of the bullpen. Let's start there. So Monday was a makeup day against the White Sox for an earlier rainout, and Daniel Lynch got the start. He only lasted four innings, seven hits, three runs given up, and four walks. So clearly not his best stuff, but also not an outing that takes you out of a ball game. And that's important too. We spent Wednesday talking about Brady Singer and talking about how his elite stuff and elite performance is exactly what Kansas City needs and how hard it is to find an ace and how difficult it is for Kansas City of all teams to get one because they can only find and acquire an ace through the draft because they obviously cannot pay the premium price that it takes to get starting pitching. That is just out of their market. That is out of their reach. Anytime a workhorse true bona fide number one starter hits the open market even if they're from Kansas City for a hypothetical example example 
they will not be going to the Royals because the Royals just cannot pay them enough. So that rules out free agency. No matter what factors you have going in your favor, best team, local team, whatever the factors are, you just can't pay enough for what it costs, the currency of baseball's pitching and starting pitching, you just can't pay enough. Can't even really acquire one through trade because, A, even trading for a rental, you'd give up, you know, two top 10 prospects in your system and have no way to retain them past that season. And B, trading for one that's under contract for a year, two years, three years, you'd still be giving up over half your farm system and your farm system is your lifeblood. You cannot afford to deplete that farm system because whenever you do, then the route to sustained success is blocked. So the only way you can find an ace in Kansas City, which is what you need to truly compete, is by drafting and developing them. Now, we saw all the stars align in 2015 and 2014 where, you know, James Shields has a breakout and, you know, you trade for Johnny Cueto, you know, who was really good in his prime, obviously, had the two games you needed in the postseason to get you the World Series win. But even Johnny Cueto is not what we're speaking of in the sense of ace, like just top of the line starter, which, which, which Brady Singer has been for the last two months. But Daniel Lynch, as much as we want to praise Brady Singer and should praise Brady Singer, Daniel Lynch going four and two-thirds innings and, and having an off day, and that off day being seven hits, four walks, and just three runs allowed, in this day and age, in the modern era of baseball, that's not burying you. If that's your big blow-up day, if that's your day where things didn't go your, your way and things didn't go right for your pitching staff, that's still manageable. And the Royals manage it pretty well. Carlos Hernandez comes in, one inning, one hit baseball, with a walk and a strikeout, but no runs allowed. Coleman comes in, one and one third inning with a hit and a run allowed. And then it was Amir Garrett who just locked down the eighth inning and Scott Barlow who got the save. So the pitching staff was able to, to navigate that short outing by Daniel Lynch. And the offense picked up Daniel Lynch. Despite the White Sox out hitting the Royals 10-6, to the Royals did accumulate six uh, walks to the White Sox 7. And of course, the Royals had six hits of their own, including RBIs from... Michael Maxey, MJ Melendez, Ryan O'Hearn, Salvador Perez, Michael A. Taylor, and a bases loaded walk for Drew Walters, who is you know making his MLB debut in this game. With Renaissance scoring position, though, Kansas City was four and thirteen. MJ Melendez, one run scored with one RBI and two walks and two plate appearances. Bobby Witt Jr. had the hit in this one with, an, with a run scored. And then Salvador Perez, the only member besides Ryan O'Hearn to have two hits in this contest. So this was a good win for Kansas City to start their week. And then you go into that weird two-game set, which getting the split is awesome. It's fine. It's, it's, it's whatever. Obviously, though, you can't learn a lot in just two games. It's, it's too small of a sample size in Major League Baseball. The first game against Arizona... You see John uh, Hazley go for four and two-thirds innings, just like Lynch, although he gave up zero runs off of four hits and four walks and two strikeouts. 
It was Koss who gave up one run and Josh Stalmont who blew it as he gave up four runs in his one inning uh, of work. And then Luke Weaver allowed two more runs against his former team. Offensively, Kansas City only musters three as Arizona gets seven, and they can only find a way to collect five hits as a team and only add in three walks. Of those five hits, two of them came off the bat of Bobby Witt Jr., including a fourth-inning home run. Nicky Lopez and Bobby Witt Jr. both hit triples, and so Bobby Witt Jr. making his impact known with the home run and the triple in this game, with that, of course, RBI from the home run. He was also driven in on that triple, so he scored two runs in this contest. But it was kind of a sleeper game on Tuesday, and then on Wednesday... You had the Royals and Diamondbacks finish up their two-game set in which Brady Singer was just immaculate. Seven innings of work for Brady Singer. Four hits allowed and one run allowed. That one run came off of a home run. Four innings, I should say four hits, one of them being the deadly home run, and six strikeouts with zero walks. That's right, zero walks across seven innings. That is incredible work for Brady Singer, whose season ERA is down to 3.15, whose last month ERA is down sub-2. He is just awesome. Carlos Hernandez, getting more comfortable out of the bullpen. Another inning of work with no run allowed uh, and just a clean bill in that one inning. No hits, no runs, no errors, no walks, no drips, no leaks, nothing from him. In that eighth inning, and then the ninth inning, Scott Barlow comes in. Gets in a sticky situation, gives up a hit and two runs um, with a walk. And, of course, it was the two-run blast that did him in in the ninth. But Kansas City still holds on. They win 5-3. to three. A lot of that, of course, due to Bobby Witt Jr., who had three RPIs and another home run. A home run in back-to-back games for Bobby Witt Jr. Hunter Dozier hit a double, uh, but only Drew Walters went 2-2 two for two with a walk. Had a multi-hit game. And the Royals win, 5-2-3. So with the off of day on Thursday, we get to set for tonight's game against the San Diego Padres and this weekend series against the Padres, all coming up on the Lockdown Royals podcast. On the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. But first, I want to tell you right now about our good friend over at Bet Online. Folks, betonline.net is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your betting needs. Find your favorite sports and events at the number one source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, every team, including MLB, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information. From live in game betting scores and podcasts, they have you covered. Head on over right now to Bet Online today or use your mobile device and learn more about the action happening today. Bet Online is where the game starts. Make sure you check them out today. Bet Online. And folks, it's this easy. Type in betonline.net, go to their sports book, and they are going to immediately prompt you with baseball. You can scroll down. And see, the, the Royals are plus one and a half run underdogs against the Padres. You can also 
do cool things like MLB futures. So who is the favorite right now to win the World Series? Well, it is the LA Dodgers at plus 300. The Astros in second place at plus 425, and the Mets overtake the Yankees, or I should say they're tied with the Yankees, for third best odds at plus 500. Who is the favorite to win the American League Cy Young? It's Justin Verlander at minus 400 with Shane McClanahan at plus 500. On the NL side of things, Sandy Alcantara at minus 260. You can bet on all those fun things over at BetOnline, including every other sport imaginable as well at BetOnline.net. That's BetOnline.net, BetOnline.net for all of your betting needs. We are back on the Lockdown Royals podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your teams. It's every day. I am your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Royals. Email the show, LockdownRoyals at gmail.com on today's show. Brought to you by Bet Online. We're diving into the week that was in Royals baseball. I want to talk about this and preview this series between the uh, the Padres and the Royals. This weekend in baseball, we're going to get to it, you know, but this weekend has a lot of fun matchups. I think that the Orioles on Astros has potentially really fun in the juice box. The Giants and Twins can really start to solidify the Giants' playoff hopes in the wildcard race and the Twins' division hopes in the Central. And then Braves-Cardinals, you know, two teams joshing for, joshing for position in the uh, standings and Guardians-Mariners. Again, Mariners holding on to that playoff berth, which w- would be their first playoff berth in you know, over 20 years, and Cleveland trying to win the AL Central. So a lot of fun matchups, not to mention the Rays and Red Sox as well. A lot of fun matchups, but I, I think that this Royals-Padres series will go a long way. Again, it's going to be a fun Padres lineup, an explosive Padres lineup that, that you're going to get to watch on display. You're going to get to uh, see how these young pitchers navigate that lineup as the Royals will start with Chris Bubich on the mound Friday. No starter named yet for Saturday. And then Sunday will be Daniel Lynch uh, for Sunday against the Padres. This will roll them into another off day before they play the White Sox for a three-game set and then the Tigers the next weekend. So I mentioned that to say this. Anytime you have the off day Thursday into the off day Monday, that I believe that series is incredibly important. Because you can go all out Sunday and understand you have that rest day Monday. You're kind of wanting to get back in the swing of things on Friday and off that rest day on Thursday. And that rest comes, you know, you played at home on Wednesday, so you're already home. You're not traveling or flying Thursday. You're just relaxing Thursday and doing what you need to do, uh, you know, around the house or uh, in your everyday life. Then Friday, you come right back into Coffin Stadium for a three-game set. You know, you're sleeping in your own bed. You're sleeping in your own house. You're, you're doing everything all hunky-dory. And then after the Monday break, after the Monday off day, you're just shooting up the road to Chicago. I mean, it's not like you're going to have to head 
way west or way east, you're just shooting right up the road to Guarantee Rate Field, a trip that you're very comfortable with, familiar with, and that you, that you take all the time. So I just believe that this series against the Padres, everything kind of lines up to where you want to make a great impact. You want to make a, a great, you know, series happen for yourself. Because you've got Chris Bewitch, who's been on a tear of, you know, four straight quality starts and has been awesome for you on the bump to set the tone on Friday. And the Padres don't know who they're starting in any of the three matchups as of right now. Uh, San Diego does not know what they're going to do in these three matchups. So you have a chance to maybe take them while they're a little banged up. And the Josh Hader trade is hanging over their head because Josh Hader's been terrible for the Padres. And so things can turn up Kansas City's way. And again, seeing how this young pitching staff maneuvers a lineup of Soto and Machado and everyone else involved with San Diego and Josh Bell, everyone else involved, that that will be a big measuring stick series to me for this pitching staff. I think that when you're looking at this series, it's one that's winnable, even though on paper, these teams are very much separated, right? I mean, Jorge, Ofalo, uh, Jorge Alfaro is the backstop with Aaron Nola switching off, and then Josh Bell, and they have Drake Co- uh, Jake Cronworth. They have Brandon Drury. He's been incredible. Manny Machado's been incredible. Jerickson Profar, um, of course, Juan Soto, Will Myers. You know, th- They have the guys, Trent Grisham. They have the guys in that lineup to do damage. They're pitchers with Mike Clevenger, and, uh, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, Josh Hader, who has struggled a bit. Tim Hill, former Royal Shamanaya in the Royals organization before, obviously, in, in that massive trade to Oakland. Blake Snell, Joe Musgrove. Like, on paper, this Padres team is much better than the Kansas City Royals. However, not only are the Royals young pitchers kind of getting into maybe a little bit of a groove, not only is there no pressure on Kansas City, the Padres might just sleepwalk their way into Kansas City and expect that a 51-75 and 75 team is just going to roll over for them. And I think that this young Royals team doesn't have very much rollover in them. And in the last 10 games for the Padres, they're 4-6 and six on a two-game losing streak. They're 19 and a half back of the Dodgers in the division. And in the wild card race, the, the um, Padres are only one and a half up on Milwaukee for that third wild card spot. They're two and a half back of that second wild card spot against Philadelphia, and they are a whopping 10 games back of the Braves for that top wild card spot. So I just think that with this, you know, with this series, the, the Padres might be pressing, and also the Padres, on top of pressing, might just be overlooking Kansas City because as Kansas City has that off day, charge to them on Monday, and they're going to get to regroup. Guess what? The Padres are going to fly into Kansas City, then shoot right out after the game Sunday and go to Oracle Park in San Francisco and play the Giants. It's not going to be simple. It's not going to be easy for the Padres to navigate this series. Remember, they don't know who they're pitching in any of the three games right now, and they've got a very important divisional game. Now, now, now granted... Divisional series on the, on the line coming up. Now, granted, the Giants are five and a half games back of that wild card spot. Well, guess what? If the Giants beat the Padres Monday 
and then they beat the Padres on Tuesday, and then they, oh yeah, beat the Padres on Wednesday. That makes up a lot of ground in a short amount of time. And life gets no easier because the Padres after the Giants play the Dodgers. So this is the time for the Padres to capitalize, and you don't want to get caught looking ahead if you're the Padres, but I could easily see that happening this weekend. As things start to intensify, things start to heat up around Major League Baseball. Let's talk about Major League Baseball. Let's talk about the landscape of the sport. I want to start with the AL Central. And to me, it's not about the division race. It's not about Cleveland gaining a four-game cushion on Minnesota and a four-game cushion on the White Sox. It's not about the fact that in that wild-card race, Minnesota's five games back of of the wild-card spot, the third-place wild-card spot, and Cleveland's, I mean, uh, I should say Chicago White Sox, same thing, five games back. It's not about that. To me, the biggest storyline in the AL Central is that schedule that got released this week. We talked about that on Wednesday's show. The redistribution, the rebalancing of this schedule really impacts the AL Central because there are some pitiful teams here that, again, as I said on Wednesday, the division leader, the Guardians, folks, they would be fourth place in the AL East. Like, the fact that the that the Baltimore Orioles have to play the Yankees 16 times and the Royals get to play the uh, Guardians 16 times is just totally unfair, and it's a great move for the sport, but a bad move for the Central. Now, I am fascinated by this wild card race because I do want to see Seattle hold on and preserve their two-and-a-half game lead up on the Orioles for that wild card spot and snap that streak. And it's so fascinating because you have the wild card races of Tampa Bay, Toronto, Seattle. The difference in the first wild card spot and the third wild card spot is one and a half games. And Baltimore is only two and a half games out of the playoffs. So if Baltimore sneaks in, that's great for the sport as well. That's a young team that was supposed to be rebuilding this year that now got all their young pieces to kind of gel, develop, get called up, and play well at the same time. And now they're bursting onto the scene and forcing ownership's hand, hopefully this offseason in Baltimore, to spend money and to make the team better. That wild card race to me is very interesting. Now, shifting over to the NL side of things, I do wonder, can anyone beat the Dodgers? Like, can the Mets or Braves do it? And you have Bryce Harper coming back for the Phillies. Like, does that team take a step? And, and, and do they peak at the right time? They've won four straight. They're six and four in their last ten games. They're two and a half up of the um, Padres for the, for the second wild card spot. Does that team take a step forward? And once again, to show you how good the Phillies are, the Phillies are third place in their division. They have 70 wins. The Guardians are first place in the Central. They have 66 wins. And the, and, and the Phillies have 70 wins while playing the Braves 16 times, while playing the Mets 16 times. And they still have more wins than Cleveland. And then I'm just fascinated by the Brewers. I, I, they're only a, a game and a half back of the wild card, and in the division, it's not like they're buried. Now, I'd still place money on the Cardinals, but the Brewers, six games back in the division, but, but their focus, of course, is on that wild card. They're just an interesting team to me of how they continue to um, 
sustain somewhat success and relevance in fun summers of contention in the sense of, yeah, sure, no one's picking the Brewers to win a World Series, but they're playing meaningful baseball in August. They're playing meaningful baseball in September. So to me personally, I look at teams like Milwaukee. I look at teams like Tampa Bay. I look at teams like Oakland before this year, and I get jealous. I want that for Kansas City. Because the Brewers had confidence in themselves to trade away Josh Shader. Trade him away at the deadline, even though at the time they led the division. And haters falling apart in San Diego while the Brewers still have a shot for the playoffs and they're only one and a half games out. That's the savvy move. That's the business savviness you need and the shrewdity, if that's a word, to, to sustain success at the Major League level in Major League Baseball. Well, we'll be back tomorrow for more Lockdown Royals. Check out Lockdown MLB for the national perspective of baseball. I'm Ryland Stiles. Until tomorrow, be good and be good to one another.